Thank you for joining us today on the Beautifully Confident Show. Are you feeling stuck in your personal and professional life? Do you want to take your life to the next level, but don't know where to start? The four-week turning point coaching program is here to help you achieve your goals. Our program is designed to help you identify your turning points and the effects they've had on your confidence. We'll evaluate changes you'd like to make, set achievable goals, and create a plan to reach them. We'll work with you to develop a customized roadmap that fits your unique needs and circumstances and provide ongoing support and guidance every step of the way. We will help you overcome any obstacles that are holding you back and build the confidence and skills you need to succeed. So if you're ready to take the next steps and transform your life, join the Turning Point Coaching Program today. Check out the show notes for the link to register. I look forward to supporting you on your journey to becoming beautifully confident. Have you ever doubted your own self-confidence? Hmm. Being over 50, I'm not sure I can count all the times I have. Going through a divorce, questioning if I chose the right career after already devoting 10 years of my life to it, and then dating as a single mom. I'm not as young, maybe I don't look as pretty, the questions just keep coming. Whether it's self-doubt on our life choices or our surroundings or our appearance, it creeps in. Join us here as we share tips and stories of how to grow your own confidence inside and out with experts who have also experienced the highs and lows of self-confidence. I'm your host, Kelly Buckley, and this is the Beautifully Confident Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Beautifully Confident Show. I'm your host, Kelly Buckley, and we share how beauty and confidence go hand in hand and the turning points our experts have had in life when their confidence was shaken and steps they took to elevate themselves to become the beautifully confident women they are today. And I have a fabulous guest joining me today. So let me share a little bit about Danica Tribal. She is a certified YOS professional and who-preneur who is committed to helping people reclaim their true identity and live a life without limits. Her signature Know Your Who formula and coaching program helps people remember who they were before the world taught them who they weren't. Having personally overcome eating disorders, suicide attempts, and financial struggles, Danica has deep empathy and understanding for the difficulties others face. Her expertise allows her to guide people in their path to healing and happiness. As the visionary author of the Dear Younger Me anthologies, Danica is passionate about helping individuals tap into their inner wisdom and share their stories with the world. Her two sons are a great source of joy and inspiration for her, modeling values such as grace, forgiveness, authenticity, humor, and unconditional love. Danica's excited to help others find that same freedom and joy in their lives. Welcome, Danica. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is so wonderful to get to share this space with you and and just share how we can together help people feel beautifully confident. That's awesome. And oh my gosh, just, you know, 
I think a lot of times women don't want to talk about all of those things that happened in their lives, not even realizing that when we don't share them, we're not we're not sharing our story and helping others. So I appreciate that you are willing to share your story and some steps that you took to become the confident woman that you are today. And I think we're we're all a work in progress, uh, but yes. as much as we can help. Um, so share your story of how you got to where you are today. Whew, okay. So, <laughs> the 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 Reader's Digest version is from from the very beginning was I was born into a home where I didn't know this was what it was until much, much later in life, but um, into a very narcissistic, sociopathic environment. And um, I had a, well, my father it was a Marine state police officer, and he was that, that, that guy, you know, he always had that presence of, I can handle anything. And he was gone for the majority of my childhood. And he didn't see the things that were happening in the home until after he retired, I think the fourth time. And then um, he also became the, the, the target or the focus of the control that the, the, that my mom is the narcissist was she just kept focusing on my dad and me. And so now to see my father as an 85 year old man who still works a full-time job, by the way, sitting there just literally waiting to die because he is so tired and exhausted from fighting this, this, what is the word? I'm It's so hard to describe unless you've been inside on the receiving end of it, but it was just so there's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to just breathe sometimes. And so that was the environment I grew up in. I didn't have a, a dad to protect me or help me know that I was loved unconditionally and in the environment that, you know, I was made to be the object of control. And uh, so I never really had confidence. And so the, the, the shifting point where I went from thinking I didn't matter, didn't have a voice, could get my head out of a toilet from the eating disorders to th to being willing to be willing to try on the idea that maybe there is some truth that everybody has a purpose. Everyone's here with something they can get offer the world. And maybe this unconditional love thing that I'd heard in church, which also, again, like I shared with you before, I'm not a fan of religion or a fan of a lot of Christians, but I do really appreciate and value the message of Jesus, which is love God, love others. And um, and I grew up in a church that said, oh, God loves you. Just don't mess up because then you're going to hell. And so that message was just, it made no sense to me. And so love always equaled pain, no matter mm. where it was coming from. And so as I grew up, I was looking for love from people that would cause me pain. And that was my normal. And of course I caused myself pain trying to numb the pain. And, and it wasn't until, well, I, like I told you earlier, I'm 29 until further notice. But <laughs> I love it. <laughs> a few years beyond that, because I had eating disorders for over 
35 years. So um, it, the turning point, let me get to, to that part, was when I tried on the idea that maybe unconditional love was for me too. And maybe there was something there that even if it was the idea of being unconditionally loved by a God I couldn't touch and a God that might actually be unconditionally loving, despite all of the things that I had done that church said that would send me straight to hell, that he would still love me regardless. And so I thought, all right, let me just try this for a week. And if it doesn't work, then I'll know it was it, the Bible isn't isn't what they say it is or you know god isn't necessarily love and so i for the first i was like all right seven days let's do this and um so the first two days i was rolling my eyes and like this isn't ever gonna work i am here on purpose with a purpose for a person purpose i'm unconditionally loved no matter what and i was like mm -hmm. yeah look at that and i still had my head in the toilet and um it was like, I knew it, it didn't work. But then fast forward to day five and I did a quick look back and I was literally stopped in my tracks because I hadn't even realized I had gone two days in a row without what I ca called scarfing and barfing. Mm -hmm. And that hadn't happened in over 10 years wow. that I had gone more than a couple hours to be quite wow. honest. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to ride this train until it doesn't work anymore. And so I started unpacking everything around that. Like, why did I not feel loved? And then backtracking. And I got to the root of what, I, what pain I was trying to numb. And it was that I never felt like I was seen, heard, or understood, or that I mattered. Mm -hmm. And then once I felt that way, then I actually came in contact with a, a a complete stranger who became one of my dearest friends who loved me unconditionally. So I could not only understand it, but I could also feel it. And so for the first time, there wasn't pain attached with someone who said they loved me. And that really, really just helped me want to help everyone know that they're here. They're original. Like, like my bio says that they can be who they were before the world told them who they weren't and be so successful in their own identity and their own who that that it, it, it confidence might be dinged but it won't necessarily ever have to be reset that's great so um danica i i want to pull a couple things out of your story that i think think would help our listeners. Um, and one thing was that you talked about your childhood and that you, you really didn't realize it wasn't okay until you got older. Mm -hmm. So, and I think how many of us live that life of, well, everyone pretty much, <laughs> you, you yeah. grow up and think that that's just normal, whether it is or not. So I think that's, that's impressive that at some point, in your life, you realize this is not healthy or good for me. So can you talk a little bit about, I know you talked about um, your turning point with realizing that, that God loved you unconditionally. So can you talk about maybe some of the emotions around that or um, 
kind of what shook you a little bit to say, I need to do something different. Yeah, thank you for that question. And every time I talk about my kids, my heart gets so full that it spills out of my eyes. So just be warned. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew that I did not want my sons to end up like me. Because that was a fate worse than death. If I were going to be responsible for doing to them what was done to me, because that was the only thing I knew then I knew I couldn't be a part of their lives. And so I spent six years away from my kids. I saw them maybe five times in about six years. And they lived with their dad. Their dad and I had already either separated or divorced. And um, so they went and lived with him. He was very stable. He had the job. He had the house. He had all the things. He was getting his life together. And and it was, it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make. Even though I knew it was the rightest decision I could make. And to be completely honest, one of the biggest fears I had around it wasn't, oh, are they going to be safe? Or am I going to protect, you know, any of that? It was, what will people say about me? Um, And because I had grown up in that environment being talked about behind my back, not being good enough, even just breathing right. And so I knew that there would be pushback from family And sure enough, my mom was going around talking to everybody. Oh, what kind of mother leaves her children? And of course, she never approached me with it. It was just with everyone else. So I heard about it third hand. So I never had the opportunity to share that. And at that point, it probably wouldn't have turned out well anyway, because my response to that question was the kind of woman I wish you would have been. Because in my Yeah, taking responsibility. As a parent, yes. Yes, yeah, exactly. And so that's when I knew, like once I was on the other side of having my head in a toilet every day and understanding where the root of my addictions and my lack of confidence and my lack of self-esteem and my lie identity, as I call it, started, then I was my older son was getting ready to start high school and I was like, oh gosh, he's gonna start dating. He's either going to date based on the memory of his mom, which is a horrible idea, or he's going to date to fill the void of not having a mom. Also a horrible idea. So I made all the phone calls, talked to all the people. I told my ex-husband, here's what I want to do is come back into the Raleigh area, be close to the boys. I don't, don't necessarily need to live with them. I don't want to rock their worlds, but I want to be there to be the example of the kind of woman that I would like them to know that they are being treated right so they don't have to guess. Yeah. And so I had, they were 12 and 11 at the time, 12 and 10 at the time. And I, we just talked. I was like, guys, I've never been a mom of kids your age before. You've never been kids this age before. How about we just talk it out? And we did. And my older son and I had more of a closer relationship at that time because he was going through a lot and we were, we were just able to talk and he asked questions and he learned to make decisions on his own, which was something I never was able to do. And it was such a beautiful experience to watch this 12 year old kid, a preteen want to know how to communicate with people to eliminate drama. That's and great beautiful and so we just he and I kind of grew up together 
and, and and my younger son was watching and he was part of it but at that time it was still just my older son and me and so there's part two to that story but and then um but just to watch how communication how giving someone the space to be able to make their own decisions i used to tell them that one um i will always be your friend because i know a lot of parents are like oh, i'm never going to be my kid's friend but i wanted to be their friend because i knew their kid their their peers weren't getting going to get the same information that i wanted them to have so I told them I would be their friend and their mom, but the line would never be blurred. I told them when I'm mom, I'm going to tell you I'm wearing my mom hat. And when I'm your friend, I'm going to tell you I'm wearing my friend hat. Sometimes I'll have them both on at the same time, but you'll always know. And my boys are, oh gosh, 26 and 23. And we still talk about mom and friend hat. <laughs> so, that's, that's a great concept though, so that our kids know at this point, I'm going to be the mom. So I love that, Danica. That's a, that's a great, that's a great concept. Thank you. Am I answering your question? Yes. Yes, Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that turning point. um, And I, I love it that you identified what a responsible, loving parent would do. And and realized where you needed to elevate your confidence. Uh, the other thing I heard was also having those conversations with your kids, even though they were teenagers and just under teenager, um, that it's so important that as men and women, that is one of the areas we derive our confidence from is how we communicate with people. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's something I think we all saw through the pandemic is that people stopped being able to communicate because they could be texting all the time and not actually communicating. So I love that you Mm. took the reins on that and realized this is something that will help both, you know, all three of us. So that's, I commend you for that. Are you tired of draining your ad spend budget and still not landing in front of your ideal clients? Did you know the amount of podcasts have more than tripled in the past three years? And podcast advertising is helping more people get in front of their ideal customers. Visit my website, beautifullyconfidentpodcast.com to schedule a quick chat with me to see if your business qualifies to advertise on our show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And that's something that I love sharing with parents now is that, you know, we can always make right what we may not have gotten right the first time. Because no matter how old our kids are, they're still our kids. Yeah. And they always need a parent. So, uh, you know, that's, that's part of my heartbeat is one quick thing is when my son was 16, he was sitting across from me and I was like, dude, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you're not having sex, you're not dating. What's going on? All your friends are doing it. He looked at me and said, mom, I don't have a void to fill. Why would I want to put that drama in my life at 16? And I was like, well, oh, speaking of confidence, I was like, well, how do you, what, how, he goes, you gave me the confidence to be comfortable with who I am. I don't need that. 
So that's really, that was the point, actually, now that I'm saying this out loud, that I've, I was confidence in our identity. That's yeah. where it all starts. Yeah. So can you expand on that a little bit? Um, to so that was the that was one step you took was conveying that confidence. Can you talk about maybe one or two other steps that um, you felt that you really needed to take to help elevate your own confidence to get to be the woman that you are today? Great question. And it's, like you said in the beginning, work in progress always will be until my last breath. I will be a work in progress. Thank goodness. And another step that I took was, I'll fast forward a lot. And I, I had mentioned to you before the show that I had been back home in that environment that I grew up in when my mom had a heart attack a few years ago. And she's working on 18% heart capacity, but she's in wow. denial that she is. And so I was there trying to help her and help my dad try and take care of her. And she didn't want help and all of those things. So it was a lot. But the step that I finally allowed myself to take as I was in that environment, and I, I was pretty, I'd been working on the whole time, like, who am I? What is it I love? What is it I'm here to do? And then I had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars with marketers trying to tell me, how do I market? Helping people remember who they were before the world told them who they weren't and all of those things. And so I had put my, I had tried to have other people give me the words to express myself. And I was never, it never fit exactly. And so as I just kept practicing, which is such a beautiful thing, as I say this out loud now, thinking about it, practicing my true identity in the environment where my lie identity started, and then seeing the rub, and then the pain that was attached to that. And like I shared, even to the point where I was labeled a, a, a felon by my mom. And um, it was to be able to separate myself to, to know that there was a line that we could no longer be crossed, to voice that to her and then stand my ground with that line. And, and I did that one day, I said, you know, if I keep justifying your behaviors after I've spent hours saying this hurts me, I would love it if we could talk differently or you wouldn't talk about me to other people because it hurts and all of these things. and she would say to my face, oh, of course. And then I would hear her on the phone right behind the conversation talking about things that weren't even said and but related to me. And so one day I said to her, if I keep stepping backwards into the knife that you're holding in your hand, I'm responsible for my own pain and I will not do that another day. And oh my gosh, talk about, blow up, push back, all of the things. But I stood my ground. And every time I was like, oh, she's old, she's going to die. She has 18% heart capacity. All of these things that I could have could have said, basically moved the line again with, I couldn't. I just absolutely couldn't. One, because I knew I wasn't able to show up fully, wasn't able to love fully in that space. 
And despite all of my efforts, I couldn't, even when I was hiding in my little eight by eight room, afraid to leave the room, I couldn't even love in that space because I knew the minute I walked out there, it was going to be pain all over again. And so I, I had to not only just separate from that, you know, have that line and John, I also had to remove myself from the home, which was yeah. even harder because again, knowing she shouldn't be driving, knowing all of these things, she didn't want help from outside sources. And, but it was either me dying literally or emotionally, mentally, or all of the above, or me being close, but not in the environment to still be able to help if necessary. And then I found that I still couldn't even be close because then it was still causing my dad pain because she would take things out on him that, like I said, she was making up things and and, and taking saying to him the things that she thought I was doing, which we can prove that I wasn't. But so I had to leave the state. I had to leave the state to make it safe for me and my dad. Yeah. Okay. And so, so drawing that line in the sand and then not moving it and then keep reevaluating and reassessing that line. So just because there's one line, it doesn't mean it's the end all be all and that we fail if we move it a little bit. It's just learning what's best in each situation. So I love that. So choosing to make those boundaries and then reassessing them. It's okay to reassess our boundaries as we move forward and realize, oh, this isn't, this still isn't working this way. So mm-hmm. I love that, you know, that you pulled out that strength to be able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So I have, because you've come so far. So I, I'm, these notes will be in the show notes. So listeners, if this is touching your heart and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, she's, she's telling my story. She's talking directly <laughs> to me. This information will be in the show notes. But um, Danica, can you share at this point what you're doing um, to help other women in their journey of of feeling their most beautifully confident? What do you have going on? Oh, thank you for asking. I have, as you read in my bio, the YOS certification. And if anyone has seen Simon Sinek's Start With Why TED Talk from 2009, the YOS discovery is a 10 minute online derivative of what Simon Sinek was was doing with his Start With Why. And the person who created this actually spent eight months with Simon Sinek developing it. And then over the last 12 years has been simplifying and systematizing it. So what it does is helps people objectively not subjectively with someone sitting there, oh, you sure, are you sure you feel this way? You know, it's, it's like they get to say all of the things externally that they've been desperately internally wanting to vocalize. And in 10 minutes, it's it, it says your why, your how, and your what. So it's basically your whole who right there in your words and validating, verifying, liberating the the person you know to be and 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 just being able to exhale for the first time is like oh i'm seen heard and understood for who i am by my own choices you know in a perfect world this is how i would love my day to be and then it shows up and it's like oh here's why that is 
here's how you're wired. And so that's the tool that I use to be able to then sit with people and allow them that space to know, not just, you know, like my friend who loved me unconditionally, who allowed me to experience that for the first time. I get to do that with other people. And then I have resources around me that if, if they need someone who does uh, makeup, for instance, which clearly I'm in the process of learning to use, then I have someone who can do that. If someone needs a coach for something else, I have everything stacked up that, I, that if I can't help with it, I have someone who can. So I am able to help people not only remember who they were before the world told them who they weren't, to learn how to live in that space. That's great. Um, and so should our listeners be looking for anything that you're offering right now? I will be launching a course at the end of the month. I'll be relaunching what started and fizzled as a podcast soon. And what else am I working? Oh, there's the Dear Younger Me anthology that's going to be released in April. So that is pretty exciting. It's people writing letters to their younger selves, telling them something they know now they wish they knew then. Uh, That's so important because how many of us say, if I knew that then. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Exactly. exactly. I love that. And I think then encouraging people to be a little bit more aware of of what's going on and, and starting to notice the things that we have going on. Well, Thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate you sharing your heart. Um, I know that it's going to touch many lives, as I know there's a, a lot of women in similar situations that that will definitely be impacted by this. Thank you so much, Danica. Thank you. It's an honor. Absolutely. So if your confidence is being shaken right now, and it's time to elevate, rise up, and step into your most beautifully confident you, check out the show notes to connect for your next steps. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Beautifully Confident Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review and share this with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you in your beauty and confidence journey, visit my website at beautifullyconfidentpodcast.com.